Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. As a non-commercial radio station, Ken's FM survives in large part by the generosity of listeners like you who value public radio and have become a member. This is Colin from Cannot Justify. You're rocking Attitude Era Live with Icon, Granny Hawkster, and Big Swing. And gentlemen, guess what? It is Monday night. It is Attitude Air Live night, and we are on 89.1 Kens FM, and we are ready to have a good time with you all. If that is a saying, we'll go with it. If not, we'll stop hmm. using you all. But anyway, it is 89.1 Kens FM, and we have a big show with you tonight, as always. And we'll bring in Granny Hulkster. How are you, Granny? I'm doing well, Icon, ready for a great show right here live on 89.1 Ken's FM on this wonderful Monday night. And uh, always with us is Matthias. How are you? Well, you know, after uh, another long work week and a physically tiring weekend and just ate a nice burrito, and so I'm full and ready to go again here live on 89.1 Ken's FM on this Monday night. And we have a big show with you uh, tonight. We have three great, uh, three great guests on with us tonight. If I can talk tonight, we have uh, uh, Andy Ripley. We have Brian the Icon Thompson. That's a or that's I K O N. And we have Steve Beverly, Mister Classic Television. So it's a big show, as always, on eighty nine point one Kens FM. So, Granny, tell us what is new. Uh, in your life, I, I understand you had uh, a wrestling event that you were at this weekend. Is that correct? Oh, yeah. We had Wrestling for a Cause, a fight for Gia. And uh, I, for anybody that knows me on Facebook or whatever, I uh, actually had the opportunity to meet this wonderful young lady and her family. She's 19 years old, absolutely amazing. She had the best time of her life. I mean, she, I went over and talked to the family at intermission, and after the show, we got our picture taken together, and that's my new cover photo picture, and there was an organization there, um, they dress up like uh, superheroes, and, you know, during the pandemic, they weren't able to go to the children's hospitals, you know, because of the pandemic, but after two long years, they're actually, this organization is actually able to start going back into the children's hospitals dressed up in, like, Spider-Man or, you know, just different superhero characters, you know, and it's pretty awesome. You know, they take coloring books, books, toys into the children's hospital, you know, for all the kids, and pretty good organization. So, um they used the picture of Gia and I together and posted it on their on their charity page for Facebook on Facebook. So it was a fun time. It was a great show as always. Um Wrestling for a Cause you never know um what what's gonna happen. I mean, they're always full of surprises. I mean, they did a really nice 
Kendall salute, a tribute to Jermaine Johnson, who wrestled from time to time for Wrestling for a Cause. Um, he was diagnosed with heart disease back in January, and he recently lost that battle here mm, close to a month ago. I mean, it, it was very sad. I mean, prayers, prayers go out to his family and all the wrestling family that worked with him, all the fans. I mean, it was it was a, it was a sad loss. Um, so, but I'm and we, uh, I ready for a great show. So we do we do send our uh, love and support out to the family, and uh, hope uh, they can all put everything together and uh, get back to you know normal and all that and we uh, we wish them well we know they're listening and we're glad that they're listening and they're glad that they're part of the Attitude Era Live family and Matthias you have a now I can't remember do you have an event coming up or did you have one uh, coming up well I actually have one my next event that I have wrestling will be May 15th for Below Zero Wrestling's Wrestleversary. Um, I will be in a seven-man rumble match to determine the number one contender for the BZW Championship. And the winner of that rumble match not only gets a shot at the BZW title, but will also get to pick the stipulation for the match. So if any people that are listening on 89.1 Kent FM tonight can actually type in your opinions on what kind of match stipulation I should have for my upcoming title match, because I know I'm going to obviously win uh, that match, and then I'm going to take the BZW title uh, from either Jack Ledger or the system, and I'm going to claim my right at top of the mountain of the company, and I will have two belts to my name, where I uh, am the current EWI Diamond Champion, and then I will become the future Below Zero Wrestling Champion. You know, the interesting thing is this weekend, I happened to see that poster for that event. Just wondering why they put you at the bottom of the poster. Yeah, that, that kind of that irked me a little bit. Um, as you always know, the top talent should be in the center where everybody can see. But I think that's just kind of a way to, you know, put me down, try to try to irk me a little bit, trying to get in my head and get in my get in my nerves so I can uh, possibly lose the opportunity for the BCW title because... Let's just face it, Below Zero Wrestling does not want the number one, North Dakota's number one heel to be their champion. They're afraid that once I take that title from them, that no one's ever going to beat me for it. I'm just going to be an unstoppable champion, and then their company's going to go down because everyone hates me so much. Uh, but you know what? We're going to see what the future holds, and then once, uh, once I take that title from them, Maybe they'll put me at the top of the poster where I actually belong, and they'll actually show me some respect. Well, think of how smart it would be for them if you were to enter this match, and don't take what I'm about to say the wrong way, but if you were to, when you enter this match and you win this match, you'd be able to brag about it on air, and that would get them more notoriety. I mean, we've had their promoter in studio with us as a guest host several times, but it would make more sense, in my estimation, that they would people would be pulling for you because you would be bragging about it on the air all the time, and you'd be able to be talking more about below zero wrestling than what what they're being talked about now. Exactly. You, most champions do that. Look at Hulk Hogan. Look at the Ultimate Warrior. 
look at Vince Russo when he won the title. He was bragging about it for a week. Exactly. David exactly. Arquette. <laughs> David Arquette. Yeah, I mean it's like it's always the same situation. It's like when they put when they put a top tier talent like myself as their number one guy, which I do absolutely deserve to be. When I take that title from them, I will, depending on how they treat me, I will brag them up or tear them down. Because as everybody knows here on 89.1 Kens FM, I'm the one that brings the crowds to Below Zero Wrestling Shows because everybody, everybody wants to get a look at North Dakota's number one heel. And they can say anything they want. They can give me the middle finger like Stone Cold would. They could throw something at me. They could do whatever it is that they want to do. But they always know that I always rise to the top, the cream of the crop, and they and they just and they, and they just they're afraid of me and what I'm capable of in the ring because I have actually went out to the crowd and poured beer, water on people. I've done what I need to do to make my impact known, and until Below Zero gives me that respect, we'll see what I have to do to make it to the top. And the title that you have, the 24/7 title, is not on the line during this match, correct? Uh, no, it is currently not. I'd have to have somebody actually willingly challenge me for that, but everybody, again, is afraid of what I'm capable of because when during when that title is on the line, there are uh, weapons are included. It is no holds barred, no rules, no nothing. So that means if I wanted to, if somebody were to say, hey, I want to face you for your diamond title, I'm going to pull out a barbed wire baseball bat, and I'm going to slice you up. Like, that's what's going to happen. It's what's going to happen, and when uh, when after I take a steel chair to your back, to your skull, I lay you out flat. No one's gonna no one's gonna underestimate the name of Matthias, because like I said, when that title gets put on the line, everyone's afraid of what Matthias can actually turn into. <clears throat> well, that is awesome, and uh, we hope you don't turn into a human pin cushion when you're uh, when you defend your title next. However, our first guest is ready to go, but before we do that, we're going to take a time out, listen to one of our sponsors, and we will be back after these messages. As you know, 89.1 Ken's FM is funded through donations by our listeners and sponsorships from area businesses. If your business would like to sponsor Ken's FM and reach thousands of young adults and college students every day, contact us at 218-585-3067 or at info at kensfm.com. Any one of us can help you get your sponsorship started. We have many packages available to fit your budget. So contact us today at 218-585-3067 or at info at kensfm.com. And thanks for listening to 89.1 Kens FM. And stepping out of the green room, walking down the aisle, our first guest of the night brings new meaning to the word, I am going to get you in the middle of the ring. She is the reason why her federation is the top of the heap. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you Andy Ripley. Hey, this is Andy Ripley. You're listening to the Attitude Era Monday Live Monday on 89.1 Ken's FM with your hosts, the Icon, the Big Swing, and Granny Hulkster. How are you doing? Good. How's it going with you tonight? I'm doing great. So here's how we'll uh, here's how we'll conduct the interview then for you. 
what I want you to do is uh, give us a little background about yourself, and then I'll ask you a few questions, and then we'll do a roundtable, and then I'll ask you the tougher questions. So go ahead. Give us a little background about yourself. Okay. Um, so I've been training to wrestle for about five years now. Um, I debuted in March 2019. Um, I took a year off for COVID just for personal reasons. Um, so I've been working about two years now, I guess you could say. Um, I actually identify as non-binary, so I use they them pronoun. Um, no worries, though, about earlier. Um, right, right. So I um, primarily work in the southeast, mostly Georgia at this time. Um, but I have been getting out a little bit. I went to Arkansas recently and back to Indiana. Um, Alabama is always fun, too. But my home promotions are definitely Southern Violence and Wrestling, which you listed, Platinum Championship Wrestling, and then Paradigm Pro Wrestling in Indiana. Um, we have, uh, oh, and I, sorry, go on. We have Andy Ripley as our guest. We're on 89.1 Kansas FM here, and we got about 32 minutes. So now when you decided to become a wrestler and get into the business, what was your major goal? I, I know you haven't hit it yet, but what is the main goal that you want to hit as a wrestler? I want to tour Japan. At least once, if not multiple times. So, would you want to uh, would you want to go to like New Japan or just Japan itself? Um, so, I would really like to do well as many promotions as possible. But Stardom would be a big one for me. Uh, Tokyo Joshi Pro also would be would be super cool. Um, OZE Academy, gosh, pretty much anywhere, honestly. <laughs> the Stardom, I think, is, is the big one. And, uh, you know, for those of you who have never seen uh, Andy Ripley, she definitely loves her tattoos, and uh, you have a lot of tattoos. We'll talk, about, we'll talk about those in a while, but I'm just kind of curious, when you uh, – with your wrestling style, are you more of a high flyer like a Rey Mysterio? Are you a technical wrestler like a Bret Hart? Or are you just a uh, uh, brawler like a Stone Cold Steve Austin or um, China or whomever? I'm more of a combination of a brawler and a technician. Um, it really depends on my opponent more than anything else. I love technical wrestling so much. Um, but if someone's a lot bigger than me, that's not necessarily the best way to go. The brawling also could be difficult if they're larger than me. But I do. So ba- I do a lot of kids. So basically, what you do. So basically, what you do is you 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 brawl with them until they're down, and then you do the technical stuff so they can't get back up, right? Yes, if I can, yeah. That's awesome. And uh, are you more of a uh, a baby face, a heel, an in-betweeny, or are you a crowd individual? <laughs> um, well, I guess I'd say more, I'm more of a tweener, um, chaotic, neutral kind of person. Um, I do love to work with the crowd, 
I love wrestling for little kids. Like, I love just watching them enjoy wrestling. So that makes me a little more of a face, but man, whatever it takes to win, you know? And if the ref's not watching me, I'm, you know, maybe not going to follow the rules. Well, this is going to get interesting then. Uh, Granny, uh, we have a uh, somewhat a heel, but she likes uh, she likes the kids, so she'd be uh, perfect for wrestling for a cause. What do you have for our guest, Andy Ripley? You have 29 minutes. Go ahead, Granny. Well, welcome to the show. Um, I know you said you mentioned Arkansas. What part of Arkansas did you come to? I was near the Texas-Louisiana border. Um, a town called Fook, Arkansas. I think that's how you say it. Okay, like I'm right not familiar with Okay, well, I'm not familiar with that because actually, I actually live in Arkansas. That's why I ask. And we have several uh, wrestling companies around the Arkansas area, and you know, and I'm close to Oklahoma as well. But um, so that's why I ask because, like I said, I live actually live in Arkansas, so. I was just kind of curious where you actually wrestled at. But, yes, um, I mean, we would, you know, you were talking about getting to other federations. I help with an organization in the Tulsa area uh, called Wrestling for a Cause, and they do independent shows for kids, you know, fighting childhood cancer. And uh, they just did a show for a young lady by the name of Gia. She's 19 years old over the weekend, and, there was uh, an organization there at the show called Real Oki Superheroes, and they dress up like superheroes, and they're, they're able to uh, start going back in now to the children's hospitals to see the kids, you know, that are fighting cancer and things like that. So pretty awesome organization. So uh, I guess one of my questions to you is, if you could have any kind of dream match, what kind of match would you want and who would you want your opponent to be? Ooh. Um, I've never done a two out of three falls match, so I think that would be really fun. And awesome. my dream opponent would be uh, Mako Satomori. Oh, wow. She, yeah, I mean, right. <laughs> Definitely a huge dream there, um, but that would be amazing. But I remember that point. would that would be very amazing. That is awesome, and we have uh, once again we have uh, Miss Ripley on with us, and uh, Andy is a awesome wrestler, but. Uh, Andy, I want to introduce you to our co-host, uh, Matthias, who's also an independent wrestler. And uh, a couple of weeks ago, he was known as a human pincushion because he took a nice uh, a nice body slam on thumbtacks on a table that did oh. not break. And uh, I know that uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see if you'd ever be interested in matches like that in a minute. But, uh, Matthias, what do you have for our guest? Go ahead. Andy Ripley, we have 26 minutes. Go ahead. Well, first off, I want to say welcome to our show. It's always nice to have a fellow wrestler on. And if you've uh, if you listened to the beginning of the show, I am North Dakota's number one heel. I am the man from every woman's dream and every man's worst nightmare. I come out there, every woman wants to be with me, and every guy is jealous of me. 
Um, but I guess one of my main questions for you is you said you just, you basically, you trained for five years and you just made your debut, I think, if you said in 2019, if I'm not mistaken. Um, what has been, have, what has been one of your more uh, difficult challenges, uh, either in training or working or anything like that? What has been one of your more difficult challenges, uh, in, in the start of your career so far? That's a really good question. Um, That's a loaded question. Yes. (laughs) Um, I mean, I think a thing that's pretty difficult for a lot of people at the start is kind of getting comfortable and coming out of your shell a little bit. Yeah. Um, Because it can be really intimidating to be in front of crowds of people so that, um, that's something, honestly, I'm still struggling with a little bit, confidence-wise. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's gotten a lot better. Um, the more times you perform, the easier it gets, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, um, the, the one thing then, I've come to realize is right before you go out there, like, it doesn't matter, honestly, for me. I've been in the business for 10 years now. I've wrestled for five. Um because I've done ref and camera work and stuff like that. To me, every time before I go out to that ring, I get just as equally nervous because, I mean, I am a heel and everybody hates me, so I really don't have to worry about the crowd. Like, if you and I were to face off, you came out, I came out to the ring, and everybody would boo me. They would hate me. The second you would come out, you would get the instant pop, basically, of the night because everyone wants to see me get my butt handled to me by absolutely anybody I wrestle Mm -hmm. with. But as I was saying, I, I, every time I go out to that ring, I've been, I, I can't even count how many matches I've done before. I mean, I, I know Chris Jericho where I've written down every match. I mean, I've got them all logged somewhere. But no matter who I'm facing, no matter what show it is, no matter where I am, I always come to find myself just as equally nervous because it doesn't matter. Like I said, it just I always find myself equally nervous no matter where I go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that's been my experience too, but I've also been told that if you're not nervous, then that's it. Like pack it in, like something's wrong. Yeah, exactly. I've been told if if you're not if you're not nervous to go out to that ring, you're not you're not a wrestler. There's a lot of reasons why. Because again, if if there's a simple mistake, somebody could get hurt, injured, you know, or even could die in the ring. So it's a very mm-hmm. it's a very dangerous sport. So it's like you're always going out there and you're putting your body on the line. But, again, for me, I don't care what the crowd thinks because, of course, I am North Dakota's number one heel. But I do enjoy going out there and just getting the hate. It's just it's just a lot of fun. And, again, if you're not nervous, I don't think you deserve – or you sh- I don't think you're in the right industry to be working. Yeah, I, I would agree with that for sure. Cause and then uh, I was going to – what was that? Keeping people safe is super important. Exactly, exactly. Like, like said, uh, yeah, yeah I'll, I'll give you an example. So I was wrestling in Wapata, North Dakota, for Below Zero. They gave me an opportunity to have an open challenge. And I went out there. Everybody was booing me. The kids were trying to high-five me. You know, I was faking them out, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a guy mm-hmm. with a title belt that was hating on me, was doing the Undertaker cutthroat signal at me because he wanted <laughs> to jump in the ring. I almost... I almost had a couple people jump in the ring trying to fight me because I had an open challenge. 
then this guy by the name of Jerry Ulrich, or I'll give him a shout-out here, he, or I'll plug him, I should say, he came out to the ring or his music played. No one knew who he was. He's never wrestled in North Dakota. He's, never, he's been in the business for about three years now, and he got the absolute pop of the night. And he entered the ring, and he, land, and he got caught his foot on the rope, landed on his face, stuck his finger in the air, and everybody just cheered. Got the biggest pop of the night for doing that. And it's, like, and it always, and it's always feeling good that I know I could get somebody over like that being the bad guy, just knowing that people hate me that much. Andy Ripley's our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM. We've got about uh, 21 minutes here with Andy. Now, we're going to ask you the tougher questions, and uh, if you you know, if you don't want to answer them, just let me know. Just uh, say that, uh, what's your next question, and then we can move on. Uh, first off, though, we do have an assignment for our listeners. If you go to our Attitude Air Live page on Facebook, you like that. You go to 89.1 Ken's FM page, you like that. Do a $10 donation to, don- uh, to Power the Tower. Uh, we'll get you automatically qualified to win an autograph from a future guest, past guest, or current guest. And... That'll take place around July or August when the giveaway will be, give you enough time to enter. And, uh, Andy, would you be willing to send us a few autographs here for giveaways? Yeah, absolutely. All right, and I'll send you that information as we go on here. So, now, you know, you mentioned you, you, you took a year off because of COVID, and uh, we're not going to spend too much time on it because uh, it is kind of depressing. However, uh, you know, when you – when you took the year off because of COVID, did you were you were still training, or did you just like put everything um, on hold until it blew over? If that makes sense. That does make sense. Um, so I wasn't doing the physical aspects of training necessarily. I spent a lot of time thinking about. more about who and what Andy Ripley is and coming up with a better idea of the character, if that makes sense. Um, And doing a lot of studying of other wrestling and wrestlers. So I wasn't in a ring necessarily, but I was still working on wrestling that whole year off. Um, I spent a lot of time um, working out, too, to get, like, in better better shape, too, once I got back. And then were you, were you, were you working on getting, like, bookings and where you wanted to go and all that? Or were you just, like, concentrating on, uh, you know, training to hone your craft, as they say, to get you, to get you set up on what you're doing? I made a like a list of places I wanted to go during that time and was like checking out more national promotions, um, like indie promotions, but ones a little farther up than I had been before um, and figured out like who I would need to contact once I was ready to start doing that kind of thing. Um, But mostly it was, sorry, go on. I'm sorry, there is, I didn't mean to interrupt you. There is one question, though, I, I do want to ask. You You seem to do a lot of uh, tagging with uh, a wrestler named Bobby D. 
uh, are, is uh, is he like a, a mentor or a trainer or tell us about Bobby D and how you make him uh, a better wrestler than uh, he would be if you weren't there. <laughs> um, so Bobby D has been wrestling longer than I have. He is half of a tag team called the Dudes. Um. He is also a martial arts instructor, so he's got, like, that side of stuff down really well. I think one thing I bring to when we tag together um, is a little more of the, I guess, chaos, you would say, (laughs) Um, and also, hmm, it's been a minute since we tagged. I love working with him for sure. Um, he helped teach me how to do promos better. Um, but when we work together, I think it is more, I'm a little faster, I guess, was the one thing, too. I move a lot faster than he does. So that helps. But honestly, most of the times we tag together, people would just, like, try to take me out and then beat up on him so I couldn't help him. And as I, as we're looking at yeah as we're looking at your stats you know you it seems like you've done a lot of different uh interesting kind of matches like uh you it looks like you did a dog collar match uh against uh Raven um is it Zinn? Yep, Ravana Zinn. Ravana Zinn. and uh you you were the victor in this match is that correct? Yes. And I'm just kind of curious um, I uh mm-hmm. Go ahead, sorry. Oh, nothing. What was your Well, I've, I've never heard of a I've never heard of a dog collar match. So basically, are you guys like collared together and uh, you you drag each other around the ring? How does a dog collar match work? Mhm. Yeah, I mean that's pretty much exactly it. We are chained together with collars around our necks. Um. No, no DQs. Because you can hit each other with a chain um, if you so choose. Uh, (laughs) And it's just, I mean, it's pin or submission. No rope breaks. Wow. Um, Yeah. There's a really cool Chris Jericho one that you should look at um, that I studied before we got in there, for sure. I got some tricks from that. Now, I'm kind of curious, Matthias, have you ever been in a dog collar match? Uh, no, I have not, actually. That is a match I'm actually looking forward to possibly working in sometime in the near future. Again, with uh, with my title being on the line with no DQs and stuff, I'm willing to do just about anything. Again, I've done every match you really can think of, except I really want to do a cage match, and I would say a dog collar match would be uh, pretty interesting, especially with the kind of stuff I've done in the ring so far, so... So basically, uh, all our fans are listening right now. Uh, you Book can, it. yeah, you can you can vote for the stipulation for his next match. So everybody, start uh, voting for a dog collar match right now. And I like to see seven guys wearing dog collars getting. <laughs> Jeez, that'd be that'd be like seven guys. Like, the, well, where where are we? Where are you getting the the seventh collar? Like, there's got to be you got to be attached to somebody else. So somebody can have like two chains around them or what? Well. uh... I, I can picture the seven guys with dog collars around, and then um, Elvira's ringside. Pulling. 
well, you could do a lot of good hangman spots from there, though. That'd be <laughs> that like a Mick Foley type situation, except maybe hopefully three quarters of our ears won't be ripped off. Right. So, uh, Andy, <laughs> what um, what what do you have on the horizon? When is uh, uh, I, it looks like you got a big match coming up on May thirteenth. Is that correct? It's um, the fourteenth. Well, I have one on the thirteenth, but the next SVW show is the fourteenth against Charlie Anarchy, who has had he's held the title several times at SVW at this point. Um, so he's definitely going to be one of my toughest competitors that I've faced. So the. The the way it is with with your with your wrestling thing you don't you don't you don't care if you wrestle women you don't care if you wrestle men you don't care if it's uh, one at a time two at a time twelve at a time uh, battle royal or royal rumble you'll take on all comers no matter what it is right right yeah exactly and since you've uh, since you've been wrestling what would you say has been the wildest match that you have done so far. And you can't mention the dog collar match because we already talked about that. But what would you say is a wild match that you've done, and what is the wildest match that you want to do? So I was in a four-team tag match recently. That was crazy. <laughs> it was that many people. Um, and it could only be... Two people in the ring, and you could tag anyone from any team in. Um, I worked with Southern Strong Style and All-Star Special, who are two really, really great tag teams from here in Georgia, as well as Left Hand Path, who are definitely, um, as the name suggests, very, very bad guys, who I like to work because because I like to beat them. <laughs> um, and you know, if they're, if, if, crazy. if they're bad guys, Granny wouldn't really like them that much. Mm. Yeah, probably not. Yeah, hey, I know the match we can book. Granny Hulkster and her are versus Matthias for the EWI Diamond Championship in a triple threat dog collar match or a two-on-one handicap <laughs> match, whatever. Well, Granny, would you be in for that? <laughs> Is Granny up for the challenge? She's speechless. Uh, <laughs> I think she, yeah. No, I'm, I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm just, you know, sitting here enjoying this interview. <laughs> so did you so did you hear my challenge? You and our current guest versus me in a uh, dog collar match, a triple threat for my diamond title? Mm, that would be interesting. I'll make sure I don't pick your cane out from underneath you so you actually get a chance this time. You know, I have a way well. that Granny would agree to the I have a way that Granny would agree to this match. And here's how Granny would agree to this match. If her and uh Andy Ripley win, Andy Ripley and Granny Hulkster get five minutes in a cage with um Sylvester, Sylvester J. J. Fox. That would be interesting. <laughs> we have uh, Andy um, Ripley's well, I guess you're on oh, Go ahead, sorry um, I won the last one for a match With a tarantula With the chain wrapped around Ravonna 
um, so she couldn't get out. So, you know, I think we could take it, Granny. You and I could win for I think, sure. I think, I, I think we could, too. I think we could, too. Well, uh, well see, uh, uh, Andy, here's how you could do it. Uh, Granny would be on the on the uh, outside of the ring waiting for a tag. You would do all the you do all the stuff. You get the opponent down. Granny would then toss her cane to you with the with the referee's back turned, and uh, <laughs> then you'd uh, knock out your opponent with the cane. Granny would get tagged in, go for the cover, uh, like Ultimate Warrior over Macho Man Randy Savage style. And then you guys go on to face uh, Sylvester J. Fox. But Granny's got to get us down to Arkansas first. She's already been in Arkansas. Now it's my turn. She's got to bring us down to start this. Well, now, I yeah, I know she's been in Arkansas, but that's, like I said, that if she's close to the Louisiana line, that's a part of Arkansas that I'm not familiar with. So, But we can work on that, so... I'm still I waiting for my invite. I can come to other parts you, of Arkansas. Well, I can come to Arkansas anytime you want, Matthias. I've been waiting. <laughs> I've been waiting for an invite. I'm waiting for a hey, come on down, let's fight. I'm, I've been waiting for weeks here, and I, I have well, yet to see know, an invite to I a know. show. Well, one of our one of our wrestling organizations in Arkansas, they uh, due to COVID, they had to take a couple of months off, but they're going to be starting back up. So. Uh, and like I said, Granny's had other things, other obligations that I've been happy to deal with. So I haven't forgot about you, Matthias. So I'm just waiting, well, I'm waiting. for that. Very, I, I, I've got to figure out the best company that I want you to come wrestle at. You know, there, there's a lot All of right. great companies here, and I, I've just got to figure out my the best one that I that I want you to be a part of and I and I'm I I've been kind of thinking about that so excellent and excellent. here here's the thing I'll I'll even uh Matthias probably not like this but I'll even throw myself in with the deal if granny if you get Matthias invited down to Arkansas I'll come down there with him and uh I'll lead him to the, I'll lead him to the ring and I guarantee he will not lose and unfortunately you know, down in Arkansas, uh, you know, Andy, if you come down to Fargo uh, and wrestle uh, during our sh- uh, and one of our promotions, I can get you a great room at one of our sponsors here on Attitude Air Live, which is Woodspring Suites. And I can get you a great deal, great hotel room there at Woodspring Suites. We want to thank them for our sponsorship. We'll hear from them after after this guest. We would love to have you come down. Uh, we we think that you could really tear it up down here. Awesome! I would love to. As long as Granny hits Icon with the cane, that's that's all I that's all, that's one thing yeah. I really want to see. So I'm 100 percent down for that. Granny would never hit me with a cane. Uh, she'd hit me with her cookies, but she wouldn't hit me with a cane. Uh, Real quick here, Andy, so we can do this here. If our fans want to check you out and see, do you got a Facebook, an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok? What do you got? <laughs> um, so I've got Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's A-N-D-E-Y-R-I-P-L-E-Y. And then I've got some stuff on YouTube if you search for creeps. But it's um, there are periods between each of the the letters. Okay, and uh, we um, would. You can uh, also we'll, just search my name, probably. 
And we would encourage our fans to go check that out. Is there one match out on YouTube that uh, you're particularly proud of that you'd want to have our fans gravitate towards? Hmm. Or not? Um, I would check out some of the matches I've had on Platinum Championship Wrestling's YouTube. I've got some good ones on there. All right, and then the one thing that I, I, I do want to ask about, uh, you do have uh, you do have a lot of uh, a lot of uh, different uh, you have a lot of uh, ink uh, on your arms. Uh, how long have uh, how long has it taken to uh, to uh, acquire all that ink on your arm? <laughs> I got my first tattoo at 18, as soon as it was legal. Um, I am now 38 years old, so it has taken 20 years um, to get as much ink as I have right now. Um, The arm, like my full sleeve, took about a year um, with several months in between appointments so it can heal up. My half sleeve <laughs> took about six months, um, but uh, I've got a large tattoo on my left thigh as well that was all done in one sitting. I would not recommend that. That's awesome. Well, I'll tell you what. We have uh, Andrew Ripley as our guest here. We do appreciate uh, you taking time on your schedule to join us. We would definitely love to have you back on again, and if you could uh, – Send us a few autographs for giveaways. We would appreciate that, and I'll appreciate all you do. And uh, you have been awesome, and good luck on your match uh, in May. Thanks so much, and I'll send that stuff along. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you. Awesome. Andrew Ripley, ladies and gentlemen, the one that rips it up in the ring. It looks like our next guest is waiting in the wings, and uh, I cannot wait for... Uh, to talk to him about gimmick infringement, but uh, we'll uh, go to him in just a little bit. But first, we got to uh, take a quick little time out to hear a word from our next sponsor, and we will be back after these messages. The new Woodspring Suites of Fargo, located at 1090 35th Street North at the I-29 and 12th Avenue North Interchange, is an extended stay, pet-friendly hotel with kitchenettes in every room, including a stovetop, full-size fridge, and microwave, plus a big 40-inch flat-screen TV with free Wi-Fi. You can book a room at 701-582-1600 or online at www.woodspring.com. Woodspring Suites of Fargo, rated 4.2 by TrustScore. And uh, we do thank Woodspring Suites out of Fargo, North Dakota, for being a sponsor of our show. We want to thank Scott Helmrath for doing that spot for us. Great guy. I've known him since I was a kid. Great friend of mine. But right now, we have the man that likes to steal my name but spells it different. He is walking down the aisle as he steps out of the green room. About to enter the ring right now, he is Brian Icon Thompson. I am here. Hey, hey, this is the icon, Brian Thompson. You're listening to the Attitude Era Monday Live Monday on 89.1 Kins FM with your host, the icon, the big swing, Granny Hulkster, and the modern nightmare, Matthias. And now, how are you, Brian? We have the real icon, the only icon that matters, 
myself, you want to talk about gimmick infringement, I still had to receive my royalty check. I've been doing this since 1999 as a true icon, I-K-O-N, by the way. And where's my money? Well, actually, I've been, I've been the icon... I've been the icon since '97, so uh, oh, wait, so I got a couple years on you. But we, we'll we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll yeah, we'll we'll talk about that offline, maybe even when my attorneys give you a call later on tonight. Well, good good luck good luck with that. Uh, remember, I still have the hang up button. But anyway, Brian Thompson is here, <laughs> and uh, we're 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 gonna have fun with this all uh, all. All icon stuff aside, we're going to have a little fun with you. So, uh, Brian, if you want to give us a little background about yourself, and then I'll ask you a few questions, and uh, uh, someone that you know will ask you a few questions, and uh, we'll have Matthias uh, back me up uh, while we have you up against the roast. But uh, go ahead. Give us a little uh, background there, Brian. Sure. So I started, as far as professional wrestling goes, I started back in May of 2000, independent promotion, Gateway Championship Wrestling as a ring announcer. Uh, worked that territory for about a year and then got connected to Memphis Championship Wrestling when it was developmental territory for the then World Wrestling Federation. Spent some time there and then just worked worked my way to the independence. Um, you know, ended up befriending beautiful Bobby Eaton, the late great beautiful Bobby, who we unfortunately lost uh, last year in August. But uh, he and I traveled hundreds of thousands of miles on the road and that and I got to uh, see a lot of different places, you know, courtesy of that friendship with him that I'll forever be indebted to and grateful. So, you know, that's just a little bit. I've managed and now promote. I've had a couple of matches. They're they're not, you know, they're definitely not any five star things to report. But uh, it was uh, it's been a it's been a fun wrestling career. And I understand Granny Hulkster, how you allow her to come on the air. I don't know, but. I've, I've, she has been at ringside many times giving me and, and my people, my clients, whatever you want to call them, the individuals that I have managed, given us grief for many, many years, most notably in traditional championship wrestling where I spent some time as a manager announcer as well. So that's the quick synopsis. I mean, you know, it's just wrestling 20-plus years. You could talk about it, talk wrestling all night long. But... Well, uh, we'll a lot of fun. We'll, love the wrestling business. Well, we'll we'll bring uh, Granny on in a minute because I have a feeling this could get really ugly really quick. And uh, yeah, everybody, yeah, remember this uh, PG language, please. Thank you. Yeah. And so, anyway, Brian, I I I'm not going to ask you if you're a heel or a baby face in between. I can already tell what kind of guy you are uh, just by hearing you. But uh, what is your wrestling? Tell us about your wrestling style. Well, I mean, Are you, you know, a, win if you can, lose if you must, but always cheat. Wasn't that the old adage uh, Jesse Ventura would say a lot of times? So, I mean, you know, look, at the end of the day, you want to you wanna see your person be led to victory by any means necessary. So, yeah, you know, as far as, as, far as what I've gotten to do, you know, I did manage, obviously, as a heel. There was a time briefly where I was a babyface manager. It really wasn't a lot of fun because it, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense very often to be in that kind of role, but... I uh, also did some heel commentary, but, you know, I've been a straight play-by-play person as well as a host and an interviewer. So, you know, just kind of across the board, I try to be versatile and, and diverse in whatever kind of role that was ever required in the times I've been involved in the wrestling business. So a um, little bit across the board, I guess. I, it depends. On, 
whatever attitude you bring to me, I will return tenfold. So it just depends on what the what the mood of the uh, the arena is. If you listen to me and do as I say and take my advice, your life will be better. If you don't, it won't. And uh, Brian Thompson, I guess, here on 89.1 Ken's FM, and we have about uh, 28 minutes with uh, Brian. Now, you know, uh, you mentioned that what you're saying is, I don't know if you ever, uh, and we have a guest that we're going to talk uh, talk about this later on, but uh, I don't know if you guys remember back in the day, the Dukes of Hazzard, do you guys remember that show? Uh, Boss Hogg used Very to have a so. motto. Boss <laughs> Hogg used to have a motto. and used to say, do unto others before they do unto you. <laughs> <laughs> You know, uh, and I, I, I think that's—it's funny. Go ahead. Yeah, it's funny. You bet. I don't remember that line, but it's funny you mentioned that show. Growing up, that was uh, before I actually got heavily into wrestling. I was in the Dukes of Hazard, and I even remember as a little kid trying to, you know, emulate the the Hazard boys. I would get into my car through the window, <laughs> my parents' car. I would climb in just like they would in the General Lee. So, yeah, that's a, that's an interesting analogy you use there. I used to do that, too, but my parents used to ground me every time I would do that. Uh, and uh, sometimes I uh, uh, I like to uh, climb in and out of my uh, wife's Mustang's car doing that. And uh, it's not a Charger, it's a Mustang, but, uh, you know, as long as I can still fit through the window, I'm going to do it. Uh, Brian Thompson, our guest here, uh, we have uh, 26 minutes. Uh, uh, I can't wait for this, so uh, I want to bring this up right now. Granny? Uh, I understand oh, that you no. guys know each other, so uh, well, uh, oh, yeah. we're, we're going to come back to me. We're going to come back to me afterwards. But Granny, what do you have for our guest, Brian Thompson? I cannot wait to hear I what you have to say. you know what, Icon, I'm Brian. Welcome to the show again. It, you know, I know. Yes, yes, fans. Um, I did give him grief during back the traditional championship wrestling days. But I tell you, those memories, and not only traditional championship wrestling, but mid-states wrestling. Oh, I mean, don't forget mid-states. Know, That's right. You know, and him and Bobby, you know, I, I tell you, I, you know, I, I, I may give Brian Thompson a lot of grief. But you know what, fans, and I just got to throw this out there. When... Mid-States did the tribute show for beautiful Bobby Eaton in November 20th of last year. Brian was there in attendance with his lovely wife, Elizabeth, who I got to meet. Very lovely lady. I mean, Brian, you are one blessed man, you know, to have such a beautiful lady as your wife. I mean, she was absolutely amazing. I got to meet Bobby's sister. I, you know, uh, you know, all kidding aside, you know, Brian Thompson and I, we have had a lot of fun over the years um, going back and forth. You know, I, I remember I remember one time uh, Miss Stace was doing a, a, a legend show, and Brian says, Granny, what are you doing here? And Bobby told me, <laughs> Bobby said, Brian Thompson, you better leave Granny alone or I'm going to have to hurt you. Because I said, Brian Thompson, I said, I am not here to see you. I'm here to see Bobby. And that's when Brian, Bobby came to my defense and was protecting Granny. So, you know, I mean, but all kidding aside, 
you know, I, I tell you, Brian would always, you know, security, security, kick this lady out of the building, you know. And I mean, it, you know, and um, NWA did a, a show in Benton, Arkansas, NWA Summer Clash in 2014, where Brian was there. He was managing Roosevelt there at that match, and the Rock and Roll Express was there. I mean, I, I could tell you funny stories over the years about Brian Thompson. I mean, but in all kidding aside, I am proud and privileged to call Brian Thompson my friend and to have been, have been able to call Bobby Eaton my friend. You know, I, I tell you, I, I loved traditional championship wrestling. And it doesn't run anymore. It quit running in 2013, but they still show the old reruns down in Little Rock. Um, and I still, to this day, still have people come up and ask me, "Hey, aren't you aren't you that lady from TCW? Aren't you Granny? You know, I mean, I mean, we we were in Tennessee at Nashville. That was a really fun show. And I got to tell you, I, I, I got to share this funny story with you all. But uh, they were giving away Fozzie tickets. Chris Jericho's band, Fozzie, they were giving away Fozzie tickets. Well, they drew my ticket number, and I won the tickets. Now, unfortunately, I wasn't able to get to go because, like, the concert was like a month later. So this gentleman comes up and asks, I didn't even know who he was, and he says, um, he says, I know we don't know each other, but how much would you take for two of those tickets? So I said, oh, I don't know. He said, would you take 20 bucks? I said, yeah. So I sold this guy two tickets for 20 bucks, you know. Well, Brian <laughs> to me, and he said, Grady, what are you going to do with those other two tickets? I said, I have no idea. I said, you want them? He said, yeah, I'll take them. So I gave them to Brian. My son and my husband were there, and Brian says, "Oh, Granny just made a deal with the devil." That's right. <laughs> you know, but I tell you, but you know, Brian used to be a part of Ringside Championship Wrestling. I mean, he did. He did. He had some wrestling shows up in Lebanon, Missouri, at a race car track where Trevor Murdoch was there that night. I say, Trevor Murdoch, awesome guy. But Brian, have you have you thought? Uh, I know. Have you thought about getting back into? I know you were promoting RCW for a while. Have you thought about maybe getting back into? You know the wrestling the wrestling business there. You know, or is that never something say, that you might be thinking about in the near future? Never say never. That's, That's uh, true. You're in. You're never out. No matter how far you run, it will pull you back in. The question, the question you must ask yourself is when, where, and how. It's coming, mm-hmm. and you never know when it will be. So, well, Granny, you, you know, you get your shoulder here soon, and it's going to be the shadow that you're going to see, and it's going to be the face that haunts you, and know, whether it's mid states or wherever else. Because well, I will you be know, back. Brian. You know, Brian. We have a company now running here in Springdale, Co called Ozark Mountain Wrestling. And one of the wrestlers you're very familiar with back from the TCW days, Killer Nichols, of course. Now he goes by Ivan Warsaw. 
but he's part of that that company, you know. Maybe maybe we need mm-hmm. to think about maybe getting Mr. Brian Thompson <laughs> to spring out Groves our mountain wrestling in the near future. Never Tim know it Storm might be. actually Tim Storm actually wrestled for Ozark Mountain Wrestling, their debut show, and he's coming back to wrestle for them on May 14th. So. Yeah, uh, I did see that, that Rodney Mack wrestled Ivan Warsaw, and that was a matchup mm-hmm. that I think fans should want to pay money to see because those two guys, they bring it every time out. Oh, they tore it, they tore it up. I tell you, I would share another funny story, I, I but I don't want... I don't want Brian to get upset. Well, but, before we um, do that, uh, before we do that, we got to take a, a quick little time out. That's fine. And then we can uh, continue. One second. Give us ten seconds. Here we go. You're listening to 89.1 Ken's FM, KNNZ-FM, Holly, Fargo-Moorhead. Independent public radio for Fargo-Moorhead and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. And we thank uh, 89.1 Kens FM for allowing us to come to you every Monday night. And if you like what, our, like what we're doing, uh, send the station a message and tell us how much you like us. Uh, uh, tell the owner of the station how much you like us. And if you don't like what we're doing, uh, send a message and lie to them. Tell them you still like us. Uh, we're on 89.1 Kens FM. We come to you live Monday night every uh, every Monday night from 9 p.m. Central to 11 p.m. Central. And, uh, Graham, before you do that story real quick, uh, I know our guest, uh, our co-host, Matthias, has a question. Uh, and I think these two uh, would be a great tag team together. So, uh, oh, my God. Go ahead, Matthias. What do you have Matthias for our guest? Go ahead. Brian Thompson together. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's exactly what I was about to say. You're talking to North Dakota's number one heel, the man from every woman's dream and every man's worst nightmare, current EWI Diamond Champion Matthias here. I want to welcome a fellow heel onto the show. It's always nice talking to a guy similar to my status, and I appreciate having you on. First off, I want to say I want to get you down here to North Dakota or up here to North Dakota so you could be my manager so we can mess with Icon and Granny Hulkster and all that. We can give Sylvester J. Fox a run for his money as a heel duo. Um, but I guess one of my main questions for you is uh, name one event in your career so far that you don't think you'll ever forget. There may be some moments in time that you'll, that you'll reminisce about, but what is one part of your career that you don't think will ever uh, leave your brain? That's that's a, you know I can obviously tell I'm dealing with someone with you know extra intelligence obviously way above the intelligence of Granny and this other imposter icon so it's it's nice to trade commentary with someone of your stature so the feeling is certainly mutual. I Such would say, so so yeah. where where are you being interviewed at right now then? <laughs> Go ahead, sorry. Yeah, yeah see I can see. You could say, if I, I if I were where this this uh, icon guy is, this this imposter icon, I, the stench from probably his breath would just be making me nearly lose my lunch. But anyway, be that as it may, back to that very intelligent question that I was just asked that I'm trying to respond to. I would say probably that's very. It's hard to narrow down one. Uh, traveling with Bobby Eaton for so many years, we we had so many memories that I need to, you know, I probably need to put these into writing before I do forget them. But probably one that stands out, one of the biggest uh, nights, and when I was younger, uh, was when he, by virtue of being with Bobby, I got to meet Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan in the same night, 
in Charlotte, North Carolina. You know, growing up, I was a I was a fan of the Four Horsemen and a Hulkamaniac all in one. I loved wrestling, couldn't get enough of it. And so to get to meet both of the, those guys on one occasion as a peer, not just you know as part of the same industry that they were, that rub from Bobby just introducing me to both of them and getting pictures and signing books and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's that's one I'll never forget. It was actually the night that Reed Flair, uh, the late Reed Flair, debuted as a wrestler. He tagged with uh, his brother David with Rick in their corner against the Nasty Boys who had Jimmy Hart and uh, Hulk Hogan was referee. So kind of a pretty cool night. Uh, that, that that one for sure I'll never forget that night. There, there's so many others getting to manage uh, Bobby and Dennis against the Fantastics in West Virginia at a pretty good-sized crowd, two or 2,500 people, something like that. It was it was pretty pretty awesome. I was like 23, 24. So, you know, those are a oh, couple wow. instances I'll ever forget um, for sure. And there's so many more. That's just a couple, you know, a couple quick ones. But, yeah, I'll never forget also how Granny just that, 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 uh, that voice in my ears, and sometimes it takes days to get that, that nagging voice out of your ears after you've been around her at a wrestling show for a couple of hours. It's unbelievable. Just running her stinking mouth. My, Don't remind that nag- me. i got to hear it every Monday night. It's the Easy. same thing in the... Easy. Do, do that to you up there as well? Yes. Uh, there's, there's so many. They always run their mouths. They always want to say what they got to say. And I've always, I mean, there's been people that I've actually had to pour beer on before just to keep them quiet. And if Granny ever comes up here to North Dakota, I'm making sure I have you along so we could take her cane and run away. That would be great. Did you know Granny is so slow it takes her two hours to watch 60 Minutes? I mean, true. Oh, my God. Who the hell cares? <laughs> I could go on for hours with this guy. I like this guy. Well, I'll tell you what. I uh, we're on eighty nine point one Kens FM. <laughs> we're we're on eighty nine point one Kens FM, and uh, fortunately, we only have about uh, thirteen minutes here with uh, Brian. And I, I thought this was going to be a, a better interview, but uh, I, I'm starting to, I'm starting to wane. But I'll tell you what, though, Brian. Uh, in what, what is good news for you is you're definitely not as uh, uh, bad as the guest that we had uh, when we had one half of Harlem Heat uh, on as our, on our show, and um, uh, I'll never let that guy on again. So, uh, but I will invite you back on again when I find the perfect opportunity to challenge you to a match because I, I would like to do that icon versus icon. And uh, now, Matthias, now here's something interesting. You are a Minnesota Twins fan, are you not? Yeah. Guess what? Hmm. Brian is a St. Louis Cardinals fan. All right. All right. Now, if I recall, uh, the, Minnesota, the Minnesota Twins did beat the St. Louis Cardinals in seven games in 1987. Yeah, they might have, that, but you know what? That's baseball. We're taught. We're taught. It's it, we're 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 both uh, bad guys in the ring. That's what I care about right now. I I ain't trying to start nothing with a guy I have much mutual respect for. See, Icon, that sounds just like someone like you trying to stir the pot and cause dissension within the ranks. I know what you're really, the real emotion you're feeling right now is fear. Fear because you realize that the two of us, Matthias and I, were to get together as a unit, my brain's his brawn, doing what we got to do, you know, whatever shortcuts we need to do, 
whether it's taking out your, you know, kicking granny in your gimp leg or whatever it, it means to be successful, we'll, we'll do it. I mean, you know, we, I'd slap my own grandmother to win if it was necessary. So that's what you're, you are afraid of what could be, and you're trying to stir that pot to make sure it doesn't happen. But you know what? I'm so motivated right now from this conversation that I'm going to do everything in my power to make it happen. So I may just have to get in my car and drive to Dakotas. I'd rather drive than fly, but I can fly too. But I like to drive and think. And when I'm driving and thinking, that's bad news for whoever's on the opposite end of the ring. So be that as it may, Mr. Icon, realize this. You're not going to cause we're, – we're not that – we're not like Granny. I mean, you can't outsmart us. Like Granny, you can outsmart her, you know, like in a New York second. You can't outsmart two intelligent individuals like myself and Mr. Matthias. We could take over the wrestling world, and you may be starting something. You may be writing one of them checks that you know that butt can't cash. I'm just saying. Well, you know, I'll tell you what. I, uh, I've uh, I've been known to uh, stand up for myself pretty well. But anyway, let, let's 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 channel all that for a second. We 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 want to go back to the interview here. We got uh, Brian Thompson with us. We have. Uh, well, we have uh, five or so minutes here with Brian, or until our our next guest calls in, and we uh, might even hear from uh, a special co-host uh, during that interview. But we'll channel that for a second. Now, so Brian, now you've uh, you know you've been in the business for a long time, and you've seen a lot of stuff. I'm just kind of curious, what is the what is your your most famous event that you ever been part of? Uh, whether you saw it live um, as a as a fan or being part of it uh, as a um, as a participant, I'll kind of double. I'll do a double take on that one. As a fan, the probably the biggest event I'd ever attended was Survivor Series 1998 in St. Louis, and that was the that was the pay per view where The Rock. Uh, ended up winning the vacant WWF championship uh, that night. Uh, the the year later, after the Bret Hart Montreal screw job, they did something similar in St. Louis, where they um, they caused Mick Foley to lose, and the corporation, The Rock, turned heel and joined with Vince McMahon and his group. So that's probably either that, or you know, it might be a tie. Uh, a few months later, I went to Memphis for the St. Valentine's Day Massacre, where Vince McMahon wrestled. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin in a cage. So as a fan, those two events and the appearance of Paul White was the debut of Paul White. I actually missed that because I was in line to get tickets to the next. They put tickets on sale for Monday, the following Monday Night Raw that was coming up in June of that year. So I was out in the ticket line trying to get ringside seats to that. So you know you had the first shot at tickets, and I missed the actual. Of course, I ordered it on pay per view to see it there. So those two events kind of stand out as a fan. Uh, as a participant, when I was working for Memphis Championship Wrestling, as I mentioned, well, actually, no, let me rewind that. I was about to tell you about a Memphis show that was headlined by uh, Triple H against Kurt Angle, but honestly, they uh, in 2019, uh, Matt Sigmund had put together a tribute show to Bobby. Uh, he, well, of course, obviously, while he was still with us, and it was a surprise, and we all kind of told Bobby that, hey, we need you this town. I picked him up, him and Bill Dundee. And we made the shot, and Bobby had no idea that the show was being built around a lot of his friends getting together to say thank you to him. And the way it all worked out, it ended up being uh, one of the last few shows he got to be a part of. The pandemic hits, then he got sick and, of course, passed away. But on that one, 
that event in of itself was amazing because obviously, you know, William Regal was there, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin sent in a video, of course the Midnight Express were there, and so it was everybody's chance to kind of say, you know, thank you to Bobby for everything that he has done for the wrestling business, and we all got to, you know, hindsight 2020, no pun intended, looking back and knowing just how much, you know, what the future would end up holding, you don't really see it at the time, but how, so to me, there was no other event that I could ever do that will, that will touch that. Uh, as a promoter, I, the last show I promoted was in 2018. It was at a military base. We had many, um, you know, men and women of the armed forces were there. They were, they were training and we were able to bring a show and they bought tickets and they got to come out and kind of get away from everything and put that to the side and kind of watch wrestling and enjoy it. So that was a big deal as a promoter. So really, I mean, I probably answered, you know, again, I, it was hard. it's so hard when you've been around this for 20-plus years to narrow down one or two, uh, or even going back. I've been a wrestling fan since I was like five or six years old, so uh, that math is adding up. So, you know, 35, 36 years now just as a fan. So to narrow it down is a little bit difficult, too. But those are just a couple that stand out on each side of the equation. Brian Thompson, our guest here on 89.1 Kens FM. So now you 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 went through a long list of uh, stuff that uh, you've been involved in, and we know that being on this show has been the highlight of your career to this point, and uh, you can't deny that. But uh, when uh, when you because uh, he met me, of course. Right now, if our fans were to check you out and see what you're doing, you got a Facebook, you got an Instagram, a YouTube, a Twitter, a Twitch, a TikTok. What do you got? Oh, man, yeah, I, you can find me, Brian Thompson, just, uh, you know, do a search uh, on the Facebook itself and find me that way. Also, Ringside Championship Wrestling, the promotion that Granny mentioned that I used to, I ran a few shows uh, under, we still have a Facebook page, it's, you know, company itself is inactive, but you can find old videos, uh, there's a YouTube page for that, and some of the old television we did local access TV, so all those episodes are still available there, uh, also at the High Spots Wrestling Network, so... Those are just a few avenues that you could check out what what I used to do. And like I told Granny, I'll be back one of these days. And it sounds like the Dakotas may be the next, uh, the next destination, so we shall see. Well, you know, we want you to we, – we, like we would like to get you up here. Um, I believe that uh, you uh, and uh, Sylvester J. Fox together um, with Matthias in the ring, I think that would be great. Um, it would definitely it would definitely bring the heat, and then uh, me and Granny would be at uh, at ringside throwing uh, throwing stuff at you uh, to distract you. Uh, well, uh, the opponent that we choose uh, gets the pin on Matthias, but we'll talk about that later. But you know, I'll tell you what, Brian, we do thank you for taking time out of your schedule to be with us tonight. You have been so awesome, and we'll definitely have you on again because I know Granny's got more stories about you. And uh, I I can't wait to uh, hear those. Uh, so I have something against you later on for blackmail material when we go to court to get my icon back. But anyway, that's a story for another time. Uh, so stay tuned for when Brian comes back on again. Uh, until then, Brian, we do appreciate you joining us, and you have been awesome. Thank you, sir. Thanks, yeah, Brian. thank you, guys. Thank you, Granny. Yeah, I'll see you down the road somewhere. Down the road, Granny. Yeah, I hadn't forgot you. All right, thanks, Brian. Have a good night, buddy. Be safe, all right? Thank you, guys. You too. All right, Brian, the icon, Thompson. You notice, guys, that I didn't mention uh, his nickname very often during that interview because 
Uh, he spells it I-K-O-N. I spell it I-C-O-N. But uh, great guy. I uh, have uh, nothing but uh, great feelings for him because he took time out of schedule to be a guest with us. But uh, it looks like our next guest is waiting in the wings, but we'll go to our next guest in just a little bit. After we hear a sponsor from one of my all-time favorite radio commercials of all time, give us 30 seconds. We'll be back. Ladies and gentlemen, the new clocks are here. The new clocks are here. Yes, for a limited time, you can get your very own 89.1 Ken's FM clock. For a $25 donation, you can get a classic analog round-faced clock with the 89.1 Ken's FM logo on the front. Just go to our website, www.kensfm.com, and under the More Merch tab, you will find the clocks along with numerous other new merch you can order. Get yours now while supplies last. We have these in limited quantity, so order now at www.kensfm.com. And we do appreciate... Uh, Ken's FM for letting us come on the air every Monday night from 9 p.m. to 11 p.m. Central Standard Time. But right now, our next guest, stepping out of the green room, walking down the aisle. He is Mr. TV Classics. He is the man about town. He has great TV stories for us. And he is Steve Beverly. Hey. This is Steve Beverly, and you're listening to the Attitude Era Monday, live Monday on 89.1 Ken's FM with your hosts, the icon, the big swing, Granny Hoekster, and the modern nightmare, Matthias. Hey, Steve, how are you today, buddy? Good to have you with us. I am great. How about you guys? Good. Here's how here's how we'll do this. Uh, we we got plenty of time with you, uh, and I, I know that we're we're going to ask you a lot of questions. But if you could give us a quick little background about yourself, and then we'll have a little fun with the interview. Well, uh, I have really more than fifty years in media, but I think going back way before that, when it goes all the way back to childhood, I've been somewhat of a TV historian since that time. And I have followed every changing era in television. And that led to approximately, while I was a college professor, I was in television news for 19 years. And then while I was a college professor, I was contacted by a local station. And they asked, would you be willing to do a show uh, that really focuses strictly on TV classics. And initially we did it as an hour, and then it expanded to two hours. And now for the last 11 years, it has been three hours uh, every Saturday and Sunday night, uh, originating in Jackson, Tennessee. Now it's in Roku uh, on a couple of options. And then also uh, we have Steve Beverly's TVclassics.com where we've got vintage programming on around the clock 24-7. That's awesome. Steve Evers, I guess, here on 89.1 Kent FM. So I'm going to ask you a few questions. I'm going to do a roundtable, and then we'll come back to me, and I'll ask you a, a, a lot of the tougher TV questions. And uh, we might even have a question from um, a special buddy of ours that's listening right now. So now, Steve, now, I was uh, at uh, a Comic-Con this weekend, and I happened to uh, meet uh, Butch Patrick, and I also met um, 
um, I believe he was uh, Greg Brady. Uh, um, Steve, yeah, Barry what was his name? Barry, Barry Williams. Barry and, uh, yeah, Barry Williams. And uh, I'll tell you what, these guys are just regular guys. Now, uh, being known as Mr. TV Classics, I'm sure you've met a lot of stars over your, your time, right? I've been fortunate to do that, or either been on interview shows with some of them over the years. And, you know, I, I, what you just said about those being regular guys is because there is a limited window for almost everyone in television to have an opportunity to, you know, really begin to touch the hearts or the souls of the audience. And sometimes it's just one series. Uh, and, you know, in the case of Barry Williams and all of his counterparts, the Brady Bunch was it. There there were three attempts to revive that series uh, in different formats, none of which succeeded. But uh, those five years between 1969 and 74, that show was the right show at the right time for kids and teens and their young adult families on Friday nights. It It just absolutely was. And I think what happens is unless it is a situation where you have a child star who had been – and I think one some of the most tragic stories that we have about uh, child stars in television are those who were pushed into it by their parents, and the parents were actually using the child as a meal ticket. And, and – I think that those who went into it knowing that there was going to be that finite period where you either have success or you don't, and then chances are in many instances it's it's going to be difficult to make a transition from being a child or a teen star into being an adult actor. Some have, more did not. And I think those who have had their roots on the ground by parents who looked on what they did as just an extension of themselves, not uh, that it was the be-all and end-all of their lives, they've done quite well. Barry Williams is one example of that. You haven't had any any real negative publicity about him at all. You know, and when it comes to uh, negative publicity, uh, Steve Edwards, our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM, when it comes to negative publicity, I guess you'd have to say uh, maybe the best example of that would be the children's stars of different strokes, correct? Oh, I think probably on a collective sense, yes, because of uh, you look at Dana Plato, who is no longer with us, and then Todd Bridges, and, you know, the <laughs> if you look at across the board, the the kid who was the absolute star of the show. Uh, every one of them have had their sets of dysfunction, uh, and it was a very, very tough situation for all of them uh, because in, in their case, uh, you had a situation where one died very young, one had run-ins with the law, another one has had issues. Of, uh, it just, it, it's just a, it, it's hard to believe that everyone from that show had those kinds of, of traumas after the show was over. Uh, you had other instances, uh, but you know when you're talking about the collective, the collectiveness of that show, uh, I think unquestionably that's it. You can also look at uh, a couple of the stars of Family Affair, 
uh, Anissa Jones, who died in 1976, only five years after that show went off the air, died at the age of 18 of what at that time was the largest overdose of drugs in the history of San Diego County. Uh, and then Johnny Whitaker, who fortunately has turned his life around, and is it's a very positive life now, but he ran into major, major issues with alcohol. Uh, one of the things that Kathy Garver, who of course has written a book called Ex-Child Stars, uh, who plays Sissy on Family Affair, and she talked about uh, the fact that so many of the young people who had tragic stories uh, were the kind that had difficulties at home or, or had very difficult transitions to life as an adult without a television series and without the spotlight. And yet you have many others, such as Jerry Mathers and Tony Dow from Leave it to Beaver, uh, Ken Osmond from Leave it to Beaver, who sadly is no longer with us. Uh, and I could write you an extraordinary number of lists of, of, of child stars and teen stars who made a positive transition to adult life, even if they were no longer in the public eye. But it's the thing, the thing is, it's the ones who have had the real, real uh, tragic transitions that we remember more. Uh, Steve Beverly is our guest here on 89.1 Kent FM. Now, we're going to uh, – I'm going to have our both my co-hosts ask a, uh, ask a couple questions, and then I'm going to ask you the harder-hitting questions. Uh, but uh, first off, we'll go uh, to Granny, who I'm sure has uh, experienced a lot of television. Uh, Granny, we have our guest, Steve Beverly. Go ahead. Well, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure and honor to have you on here tonight. You know, and I tell you – you know, I'll be 60 years old in August, and I loved the old classic shows. I mean, I just, you know, I still watch Leave it to Beaver. I still watch the Brady Bunch. I still watch the Beverly Hillbillies. I watch the Partridge Family. I And every once in a while, I'll come across an old episode of Flipper and Gentle Ben, which I love those shows, too. So yeah. what was your favorite a classic time of shows that you have been involved in, you know, or just, you know, just in general, you know, that was your one of your favorite periods of time? Well, I think for me, because of my growing up years in the late 50s and on through the 60s, and I graduated high school in 1971, uh, I, I think that era where you had so many of what we would define as the classic family sitcoms. Uh, and I think probably there was never any more, and, and there there were other shows who certainly were very successful, but uh, the 1962-63 season in which you had on ABC Thursday nights, Ozzie and Harriet, the Donna Reed show, Leave it mm-hmm. to Beaver, and My Three Sons consecutively mm-hmm. for two hours on Thursday night. That was probably the Mount Rushmore of those shows. Father Knows Best, ironically, is a show that probably, you know, it by all rights would have been canceled. But the dumbest thing that they ever did was the first 26 weeks of that show, uh, when it premiered, CBS had it on Sunday nights at 10 o'clock. 
It's a family show, and you're putting it on at 10 o'clock. I don't know what kind of network executive thought that was good programming, uh, but it was, it, it was really uh, – the show was canceled. And then you had a monumental way before we ever had the infancy <clears throat> of social media. You had such an outpouring of mail that came in to CBS and to the sponsors for uh, protesting the cancellation that uh, it was picked up by a new sponsor, Scott Paper Company, and it was moved to NBC the following season where it began to take off. It was in a better time slot. It was more of a family time slot on Wednesday nights. Uh, but, you know, that, that's it. And then, of course, uh, my personal, next to, next to those kind of family sitcoms, but uh, a genre that's really close to my heart are game shows. Uh, I, I love them from the beginning. I love the MCs who did them. And uh, in the last 25 years of my life, I've had the great fortune of becoming friends with a lot of the classic MCs that uh, we remember so greatly that brought those shows into our home every day. Awesome. You know, uh, you mentioned um, you know, you mentioned uh, my three sons. You know, a couple weeks ago we had uh, Barry Livingston on with us, and uh, you know we've also had uh, uh, Danny uh, Coxley on with us uh, in the past. And uh, you know, you, uh, Granny mentioned Gentle Ben. Uh, I had a, uh, the opportunity to uh, play golf with Clint Howard. Uh, when he was here for the Roger Maris Golf Tournament, and he signed an autographed picture of him with Gentle Ben uh, uh, to my father, which was really, really nice. And uh, I'll tell you what, we, have, uh, we, do, have our, uh, we do have a special uh, question and answer gentleman here, but before we do that, we're going to go with Matthias first, and then we're going to uh, bring on our special uh, individual that has some questions for you. So, uh, Matthias, what do you have for our guest, Mr. Classic TV? Well, first, I want to welcome you on to the show. It's an honor having somebody as um, popular as yourself here on our program. Um, I've been a big fan of TV most of my life, and I actually worked in the TV business with news and live broadcasting and such um, in my previous, um, previous parts of my life. I guess one of my main questions for you would be, um, was there anybody out there in the business throughout your life that you've uh, – haven't worked with that you've wanted to or has there been and i guess it's a two-parter so has there been ever somebody in the world of tv or whatever that you've wanted to work with but haven't had a chance to and has there any been anybody in the business that has been uh more difficult than others to work with or were they full of themselves or anything like that well i'll have to answer you from that standpoint from my years as a journalist is as you've been part of that as well but uh, for my years yeah. as a journalist, because not having been uh, involved in actual production on the shows, mine has my experience has been more along those lines. I, I, I will tell you that a uh, person that I just always had great admiration for because of the fact that I just loved everything that he did, and uh, he was someone who became uh, the closest friend I have that I that I had of all of the uh, game show MCs, and that's Tom Kennedy. Uh, okay. You're talking about a guy who you got talking about a guy who did 16 game shows over the years, different shows that had different sets of rules. Of course, he was the crown jewel of Name That Tune from 1974 to 81, 
And here's a guy who was having to deal with as many as 60 different musical cues in one show. Uh, you had wow. four different games within a game during the course of that show. And he was just mm-hmm. brilliant doing it. And, and he was every bit the same person in his house as he was on the air. Uh, he never lost his roots from being from Louisville, Kentucky. And he was just – he was that way. I was with him in, in restaurants many times. I was with him in different situations where he could not have been more himself. Uh, and if you want to use the cliche, comfortable in his own skin, uh, that was Tom. Okay. And, and so he, he was a great person as well as a, as a, uh, a great talent. As far as somebody who was difficult – uh, I'll tell you, as a journalist, and this probably would disappoint a lot of people who who obviously loved this man because he was uh, he was such a popular actor for many years. But uh, I had difficulties on two occasions with Vincent Price, and I later found out it's really? because he'd had a he'd had a bad experience with people in the entertainment media back in the going all the way back to the early 1950s, and so he didn't like anybody. In journalism, he just he really didn't like anybody who was a newscaster or a reporter uh, who came up to him. And, and he was in Columbus, Georgia, and was doing a lecture at the local university. And we were given media time with him afterward. But we had all been told that we could shoot um, silent video of him during the lecture. We could not record audio of it. And so we go in there. Well, apparently Vincent hadn't been told about it. And then when uh, he started, he started just lambasting us from the uh, podium, called us media really? rare, and and really just it, it was a rather unprofessional reaction on his part. And so our first question when we got into the uh, into the media room, we said, "Okay, why did you choose to uh, attack us?" When none of us were attempting to attack you, we came here to uh, get a, a, a basically an entertainment type interview. Why did you attack us? And and he got very very short about it. And and so finally, the lady who was the uh, PR director of the university and she said, Mr. Price, they were told they could be in there and that they could shoot that video, and that is part of your contract. Uh, and he got real snippy, but he said, Okay, I apologize. Um, and I found out after that that there were other reporters in other cities that had had a similar situation with him. It's just sort of the way he was with media. He was great with audiences, but he hated the media. Yeah. It's kind of like um, in a situation, it's like it's always one – it can be one bad experience that completely ruins it for everyone. Like, uh, for instance, one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, uh, Jake the Snake Roberts, he um, – he had a very bad experience with an interview for a wrestling, I believe it was a documentary or a video or something like that, and they took all his words and they flipped his story around. They made him look out to be like a bad guy, and from that point on, he was like very, um, and he still kind of is, but he was very um, dis- or, um, very selective when it came to stuff like that and what he would talk about and stuff, so it's like, it's always one if one bad experience really could mess somebody up for the future with with people. It's like it's always that one bad time that could really affect everyone else's future with a specific person. Yeah, I, I, I get you completely on that because it, it and, and you know I don't I didn't blame 
I, I did think he was unprofessional in the way he acted, but I can also say I don't blame him if he went in there thinking we were not supposed to be there. It's the way he went about it. And I was told, I was told actually by my boss that about uh, 10 years earlier in Atlanta, he had a, a, a one-on-one situation with, with Vincent Price, and so he asked him his first question, and Vincent Price said to him, oh, that's just an absolutely silly question. I'm not going to answer that. That's a silly question. And so my boss said, I just put the mic back in his face and said, okay, what's the better one? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's almost what you got to do at this point. Yeah, that, that's interesting. Yeah. That, that's, that's a cool story. Uh, Steve Beverly is our guest here on 89.1 Ken's FM. We've got about uh, 24 minutes. Now, Steve, I want to introduce you to uh, probably uh, uh, the, the greatest, and he was probably thinking, I'm just going to say this, but uh, probably the greatest engineer in the history of broadcasting here in the Dakotas. And uh, being, uh, being a television gentleman like you are, uh, Steve, uh, you know that uh, engineers are the guys that keep the programs on the air. So I'm going to bring uh, uh, Mr. Ken Bartz on. He's got some questions for you. And uh, he's been on... Um, well, he's been on the air with us several times, and uh, he owns the station, and uh, we want to bring him on so he doesn't fire us. But uh, go ahead, uh, Ken. What do you have for our guest, Steve? Well, I would like to really give a really nice warm welcome to Steve. Um, I know over the course of time, uh, listening to you guys talk, it's all about wrestling. Oh, let's talk about wrestling. I'm a heel. Oh, this Well... <laughs> I am not a wrestling fan. I have nothing to do with sports. But he loves but us. I, I admire these two for doing their thing, though. And uh, it's it's really good uh, that uh, we're able to venture out a little bit uh, on the radio station. But, Steve, welcome aboard. It's great to have you aboard. Got a couple questions for you. Um, I Go ahead. Heard from, uh, I've heard from Icon here that you're a big uh, history buff when it comes to uh, – uh, classic sitcoms, classic uh, uh, series and things like that. And he had mentioned one time that I should ask you about a series called Rat Patrol. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Christopher George was uh, one of the leading figures. Um, did you ever get a chance to meet any of those guys from that series? I did not. I had a near miss. Uh, I was potentially supposed to be at a at a soap opera event down in Florida. I had to miss it uh, at the eleventh hour. But there was a uh, it was a soap opera event that they had some of the stars from The Young and the Restless that included Eric Braden, who went under his actual name of Hans Gudegast in The Rap Patrol. Yeah. And it was yeah. an interesting, you know, it was an interesting thing. I, I think he, he comes away. Of course, Chris George, he was the star of the show. But uh, Eric Braden was the interesting after story about that, about then he, he changes his name and has a whole new identity. And he has been going on now for, uh, give or take, 42 years on The Young and the Restless. Well, that is awesome that uh, uh, those actors are still around um, I remember watching that series in its original run. I forget what network it was on. It would have had to have been either uh, CBS or NBC, because those are the only two channels. ABC. 
ABC. From 1966 to 1968. From 66 to 68. It ran for two years, and ironically, the first year... Uh, it was thrown in as a sacrificial lamb opposite the Lucy show, which, of course, as everyone knows, it was Lucy's second series. But it was thrown in thinking there was no chance, and they were just hoping maybe if it could get reasonable ratings. Well, the first year, uh, I mean, Lucy was number four, but the first year, the Rat Patrol finished in the top 30. So it was a great challenger, but then the next year, all of the shows before and after it changed. And and so it had a horrible lead-in in its second season, and the numbers just crashed. And so it, and also I think one of the things that probably hurt it uh, in the second year it was at about the time when we were having such controversy about Vietnam in our country, and unfortunately, war dramas began to fade in popularity because there was such unrest over that. And I think, unfortunately, because it was a well-written show. I think, unfortunately, the Rat Patrol uh, took a hit because of that. Well, the uh, the thing that I remember the most about that was uh, being a radio guy, a radio buff, and I'm a real nerd when it comes to that. Um, I watched a episode where they took over a radio station, and uh, I remember watching the original series. It was, a, oh, you're going to love this. It was an UltraVision black and white GTP. That was our family room. And I remember watching it on that. And uh, So you didn't have a TV in your bedroom back then? I had about 80 million radios in my bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, and a photograph. Uh, the, uh, uh, what I remember, though, is watching it, and, of course, me being such a radio geek, I wanted to know everything there was about 1940s radio and uh, during World War II and how these Germans uh, that had taken over the station and uh, uh, Christopher George and his crew were going to come up and commandeer it and give a warning to the BBC, which apparently monitored this guy's station. Well, I remember seeing them come in from the outside of town and I remember a shot of the actual radio tower, and it was perched. It was a self-supporter perched up on top of a, uh, you know, a, a real uh, Arab adobe whatever type building, you know. And um, of course, they panned in and uh, uh, took over the station and whatever. And I even actually have a sound clip of that thing someplace. I don't know if uh, he could find it or not. But anyway, what I wanted to say was Scott came up, uh, Icon here, came up with the uh, uh, the DVD uh, version series of that series. And that episode is on one of the DVDs. I watched it. Lo and behold, the tower was missing. Is that, a, yeah, is that a very similar thing as to what we saw with all of the chops and edits of WKRP when uh, they had licensing issues with all the music they played? Was this some kind of a that, that, issue? That, that, that's exactly what it is. And and I can tell you the interesting thing about that is that, I, and I'm going to go and, and look at them. I, I haven't had a chance to scan through or screen them, but those shows have now been, the Rep Troll, those shows have now been remastered in 4K. 
And so it, they are absolutely are pristine. Are you talking, are you talking Rap Patrol? Well, yeah, or Rap Patrol, yeah. Okay. Yeah, Rap Patrol has been remastered in 4K, and I'm going to go through and look to see if those have excised that out of it. But that is, it, it's a real frustration for a lot yeah. of people about and as far as that tower is concerned, you know, the question mark may be about, uh, you know, I, I'm not even sure where that was shot because a lot of the show was done on location in Germany. Uh, yep. But I'm, I'll have to go back and research that. That is, uh, it was interesting. Um, I, you know, I would stop and freeze uh, all of the frames that had uh, German signs and everything on the walls to find out, you know, what it was and how close they got to what a transmitter room would be, uh, what a studio room would be, and they actually pretty close. Their research actually was pretty good. But uh, at the very beginning of the, of the episode, uh, they're sitting in a Jeep, and they've got this guy tuned in, and it's an anti-American propaganda thing, and uh, uh, they're really sick of this guy talking. And... Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, George says something to the effect that uh, can't we listen to something else, you know? And uh, uh, the uh, the radio operator in the jeep says uh, uh, we got hit by uh, the radio got hit by uh, bullets or gunfire, and we can't transmit. And the only thing that we can pick up is this guy, and it's because he's strong and he's 15 kilometers away. And then that's how that's how I remember that episode. But I remember it as a kid, and I remember it. Uh, being actually able to see what they were broadcasting with, and it was a, a tower, and um, sitting on top of a building. And I watched uh, Scott's version, and I was saying, okay, is my mind really gone, or did they change? <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's, and that's a show that probably should have gone on to have about a four-year run. Uh, and yeah, unfortunately, we also, it only lasted 58 episodes. Yeah, and, we, and it's one of those shows that at that time we were beginning to move away from the half-hour drama. Uh, it got to the point where the networks were moving almost exclusively, not completely, but by the time we got to the early 1970s, just about everything that was dramatic was an hour and part of that was because they didn't want to pay two different production companies for two half hours. It was more expensive to do that, and so it was actually less expensive to do the hour-long drama than to have two half hours. That's interesting. Yeah, the, the same thing happened on Hogan's Heroes, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, uh, no question about that. Uh, it, it's, you know, and, and the same thing, it, that same set of economics is happening the same way with, uh, if you will, uh, game shows, and it's the reason why on networks and, and the, the, the ones that we'll see coming back out again this summer, on the networks, they go with one-hour game shows rather than half hours, and in some instances, it's to the detriment of the show that would play better if it was a half hour. But an hour-long game show is cheaper for the networks because they, again, don't want to pay two different production companies. I never realized that uh, uh, that's the way uh, networks, it's almost like they're buying production time um, at a specific uh, 
uh, lot or a, a specific area, and that's all that's available. They can't buy our lots of time, apparently. Yeah, and it was you. You have some like the one hundred thousand dollar pyramid. They will do two half hours within the hour, and they they maintain the integrity of that show. Uh, but there were there were well, pressure luck. The revival of pressure luck. It seems so padded because it's they do it as a full hour, and it just seems to drag in spots. Even though it's still got you know a lot of the key elements still in it. It just drags in spots, and you can always tell. Uh, Monty, Monty Hall told me before he died that he didn't like Let's Make a Deal being an hour, but he said to get it back on the air on CBS, and it's had a long, long run now with Wayne Brady. Uh, he said that to, the way that we had to get it on the air is to go back to, to doing it as an hour because they didn't feel like the half hour. Uh, it, it was just too inexpensive for them to find another half hour to go in there. Uh, and, and so, you know, and I, I don't know, maybe it doesn't bother today's audience with that who didn't see the original. Well, getting back to um, Rapid Pro for just one moment, um, I was talking with Scott at one time, and uh, he had heard that uh, the reason why the uh, Rapid Patrol got uh, chopped was because the uh, producers or whatever – in at the in England, the BBC didn't like the uh, uh, some of the specifics uh, that uh, took place in the uh, Rapidrol script. Scott, uh, fill me in on this. I think you uh, you were the ones that. Uh, well, what happened was uh, the. They look at uh, all the uh, different, uh, and uh, I'm, I know that uh, Steve will uh, help me with this. Uh, they didn't like a lot of the inconsistencies and a, yeah, uh, a lot of the um, how you want to say, um, uh, geez, what, what am I trying to say here, Steve? Uh, the um, it, it, it's in a fictional story that they felt like that there were too many episodes that eventually after the first say, half season or so, that were taking license with what actually potentially happened during the Right, week. right, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. it, 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 the, the same thing that happened with the old show, The Untouchables, in that what happened is, all right, they did an episode early in the series about Ma Barker and her boys, and that was somebody that Elliot Ness never had any connection with. The Untouchables had nothing to do with that. And a lot of the fictional stories went way beyond the kind of cases that Elliot Ness ever actually handled. Same thing here with the Rap Patrol is that they felt like that there were that the fictionalized stories went too far from realism uh, as they were depicted on the on the actual show. And, and a lot of that came particularly during the second season. What uh, do you remember? What season that was, Scott? That, uh, the radio episode was in? Uh, well, it was a- actually season one, I do believe. It was season one. I yeah. It was episode 30-something. Uh, I believe it was episode uh, 30... I'm looking right here. Uh, maybe episode 38 or 39, I do believe, or 40. Um, yeah, because... Um, Everything is called a raid, so I couldn't remember specifically what... Uh, what yeah. the, uh, the title of the episode was. 
You know, uh, Chris George was even nominated for a Golden Globe for doing that series. And and the really? sad thing about him is, is that he died at a very young age, at 52, uh, of cancer and back in 1983. And so we didn't really get an opportunity. He did another series for ABC called The Immortal uh, that ran for one season. But we never really got to see how his career potentially might have flourished as a more mature actor. So it's, you know, it was really a, a sad ending for him. He had an incredible voice. He was another one of those, uh, uh, you know, he played his role really well as a commander. And, uh, you know, he had the authoritative voice, the authoritative persona. Uh, he was a lot like Lauren Green. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that voice, Lauren Green, of course, and he had, Lauren Green had developed that in his years as the, the lead anchor for uh, the CBC News. Oh, really? I'm yeah, he was, he was, a, he, so he was a, he, he was the, he was the, uh, the equivalent of Walter Cronkite for many, many years uh, back in the 50s on the CBC, and then he moved into acting. Uh, and he moonlit and did a, a couple of Studio Ones uh, for CBS uh, back in the 50s and then got the role in 1959 on Bonanza. And, uh, of course, one of the co-stars on that went to high school with my mother, one Pernell Roberts, who just made a – fortunately, when he became Trapper John M.D., uh, he finally made the money that uh, kept him solvent for the rest of his life, but made what most people still today thought was a terrible career decision in 1965 to leave the show. I interviewed Lord Green about that uh, back in 1980 when he was doing a made-for-TV movie in Columbus, Georgia, and Lauren said, oh, yes, Purnell. He said, I, I tried to talk to the young man and to tell him, look, if you'll sign this second contract, you can go do Shakespeare, you can do anything you want to, and never worry about money for the rest of your life. But uh, Purnell was constantly arguing and, and was having disputes over the scripts, and he said, I kept trying to tell uh, Purnell, it's the family. It's not Western. It's the family that everybody is following on this show. Uh, but yep. Purnell had a Purnell had a very very shall we say intense mind on what he thought television should be, and uh, I think he coasted really the last two years he was on Bonanza. And at one time he was suspended from the show, and uh, they brought in Guy Williams for four episodes to play uh, a a cousin of the Cartwrights, and so Guy was really being groomed to come in and replace Purnell. And had he done that, we may not have seen him in Lost in Space. Interesting. Well, you said that um, uh, Christopher George, uh, unfortunately, uh, died of cancer. Um, he played, had the uh, Australian persona. Was he actually Australian? Uh, he was born in Royal Oak, Michigan. Is that right? Yeah. Because there was absolutely no sign or hint of any kind of an Australian accent in any of those episodes. No. And, and of course, most people, yeah, and most people know that he eventually married actress Linda Day, who she, had, she is one of the few actresses 
who adopted the name of her husband, and she became Linda Day George, and she went on to do uh, the closing seasons of Mission Impossible. Okay. Uh, we have uh, Steve Everly's uh, yes here on 89.1 Ken's FM, and uh, our, our namesake uh, Ken is uh, with us as a uh, as a guest uh, host, and uh, we we lo- you know see here's the thing about uh, having you on with us. Uh, we we get to ask you certain things about TV history. Now you, you talk about people leaving series. Like um, one example for me that comes to mind in my generation uh, would be when Clarence Gilliard Jr. left Madlock to go to Walker Texas Ranger. Yeah. Now uh, there's there's one. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no. no and I, all I was going to say about that, I, I think Matlock lost something when. He, I, of course, I thought Matlock lost something when Kenny Holiday left the show. But uh, right. Clarence Gilliard was, I thought, a tremendous young actor. And, and he was, again, sometimes even a supporting role is really the glue that keeps a show fresh and interesting. And, and I, I, you're right about that. That was, that was a role that I think uh, really Matlock missed him when he was no longer there. And uh, there's one, there's one question about uh, you know television history I have to ask you about. Now, uh, okay, now m- one of my all-time favorite shows is The Dukes of Hazard. Okay, and unfortunately, mm-hmm. yeah. du- The Dukes of Hazard wa- is not being shown on TV anymore because of the Confederate flag on the General Lee. Now, let me ask you this: when they pan a show nowadays because of uh, something back then. Do you agree with that, or do you disagree with that, or do you just think it's, like, out of the realm? I, I, I have to tell you I disagree with it because I think we have really adopted so much of a cancel culture now, and I know that's a cliché term. You've got to remember every show. Absolutely, and you've got, to, you've got to remember shows in their context. Uh you know, Dukes of Hazard was, in a sense, it, it, they didn't have a laugh track to it, but it, in a sense, it was a comedy show as much as anything. And and you know, this was this was really looking at quote Southern redneck humor, if you will. Uh, if if you're going to if you're going to eliminate that, then let's take all the books that Louis Grizzard, one of the great journalists and columnists of all time, uh, from the Atlanta Constitution. Uh, let's take all his books off the shelves and say we can't read them anymore because Lewis would just tell it like it is about Southern culture. Uh, what are we going to do? We're going to take the Beverly Hillbillies episodes off where Granny sang Dixie back in the kitchen during the first season. You know, are we going to do that? Um, it, it to me, it is just such an overreaction because we have a culture today where one person gets offended or one group gets offended, and then all of a sudden. Heaven forbid, there are a lot of things that I have watched that have offended me that have been allowed to continue that have been far worse than what we have been describing here tonight. So, yeah, I have a very strong feeling on this that, uh, you know, and and somebody asked me a question about that on another show recently, and I said, if we're going to do this, then let's put everything on the table that has ever been on television, period. Are we going to take the honeymooners off because Ralph Cramden would look at Alice and go, one of these days, bang, zoom, you know, because it gave no, no, the impression no, no, no. Okay, that, he was going to, that he was going to slug his wife. What are we going to do, take the honeymooners off? 
you know, if we're going to keep doing this, then let's take everything that has ever been on television and let's decide, okay, we're going to remove it all because it's got to offend somebody somewhere. Sorry for the rant, guys, but I, I, I have a very strong feeling about that. Well, you know, one of the questions I want to ask, it's kind of like, remember back in the day, all in the family, they used to have a disclaimer on before the show would enter. Now everybody considers that to be uh, a social, um, socially understanding or socially, um, I can't think of the word right now, but, uh, you know, back in the day, uh, you know, uh, Archie Bunker was very controversial. Now they don't even have a disclaimer. Now everybody's like, oh, well, everybody talks like that nowadays. Yeah, and that it's, you know, it's considered to be, okay, a show of the 70s that was a groundbreaker. And yet, I, I can tell you, I went to the University of Georgia, and some of the, we had two professors there that did a research project, and they confronted Fred Silverman, who was the head of CBS uh, primetime programming at the time. He came for a seminar on campus, and they confronted him about the fact that their research indicated that Archie Bunker was actually reinforcing prejudicial beliefs in those who shared those with Archie Bunker rather than making them re-examine their beliefs. And I don't doubt that their research was probably true, but Archie Bunker was hailed to a large degree as a, a cult hero in those days. I don't, think, I don't think the show necessarily did everything that Norman Lear intended for it to do. Uh, yes, it did open the door for situation comedy and television in general, in general to deal with topics that it never had before that had been considered to be taboo. But I don't think that I, – I, I never did think that Archie Bunker was necessarily somebody that we held him up to a mirror to look at all of the things that were wrong about ourselves because I think some people were just purely entertained by it. Well, that was the big thing that I thought the whole show was about. It was a comedy, and it was entertaining, and it poked fun at certain aspects of our society. And I don't understand the people that get all upset and blowing out of proportion because it's being poked fun at. Well, we're we're here yeah. on eighty nine point one Kens FM. Unfortunately, we only got uh, we only got about a few uh, I don't know about thirty seconds here uh, before we got to uh, before we get kicked off the air. Uh, and the owner is right here to tell us this. But uh, anyway, uh, Steve, real quick, uh, we we would love to have you back on again because we have more to talk to you about. Would you be willing to come back? We haven't scared you away too much. Anytime, anytime. Awesome. And uh, for our fans to check you out, you got Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, and TikTok. What do you got? Steve Beverly's TVClassics.com. You can watch my show 24-7 right there. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, Steve, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. And uh, for our listeners, uh, we want to thank you for joining us tonight. We want to thank Granny for being here. Uh, we want to thank uh, Matthias for being here. We want to thank uh, our owner, uh, Ken Bartz, uh, Bartz Engineering, the greatest t uh, radio engineer in the history of uh, broadcasting. <laughs> but uh, check us out next week. Be watching our Facebook page to see who's coming up next. Uh, until next week, be, be nice to each other, love each other, and come back to us next week, and we will be here to entertain you every single week, and Ken will be back. And we got to go. Talk to you later. Bye-bye.
You think you know me. Thanks for listening to 89.1 Ken's FM. We are listener-supported radio, so the programming you hear on our station is funded by our members and these local and area businesses. Deke's Pizza, 701-235-0708, open 11 a.m. to 3 a.m. every day. Great-tasting pizza made from scratch daily, perfect for lunch or those late-night munchies. Two convenient locations in Fargo and West Fargo, all at the same number, 701-235-0708. Again, Deke's Pizza at 701-235-0708, open 11 a.m. to 3 a.m. every day. Deke's Pizza, Fargo and West Fargo. Ordering is easy online at deekspizza.com or with the Deke's Pizza smartphone app. You're listening to 89.1 Ken's FM, KNMZ, Holly Fargo-Moorhead. Independent public radio for Fargo-Moorhead and the Valley. Also on the web at www.kensfm.com. From Feature Story News in Hong Kong, I'm Richard Kimber. The U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says the White House hopes the war in Ukraine will result in a weaker Russia that will be deterred from future invasions. Speaking after meeting with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky in Kiev, his comments reflect a toughening of the Biden administration's rhetoric towards Moscow. Kate Fisher reports from Washington. Secretary Austin said that Russia, quote, has already lost a lot of military capability and a lot of its troops. We want to see Russia weakened to the degree that it can't do the kinds of things that it's done in invading Ukraine. Praising Ukraine's military, the defense secretary said Ukraine could still win the war if it was given the right support. He said the U.S. will allocate an extra $713 million of military aid to Ukraine and 15 other Central and Eastern European nations. Kate Fisher, Washington. In the business world, in a dramatic turnaround, Twitter has accepted Tesla CEO Elon Musk's bid to purchase the social media platform for about $44 billion U.S. dollars. If the deal is approved by regulators, it will be one of the biggest acquisitions in tech history. Ira Spitzer has more from San Francisco. The world's richest man will now control the influential social media network pending regulatory approval after Twitter's board agreed to accept Elon Musk's offer to buy the company at a price of $54.20 a share, or about $44 billion. Musk says he intends to make Twitter a private company and allow more of what he calls free speech on the platform. That's drawn praise from some conservatives who have accused Twitter of bias for actions such as banning former U.S. President Donald Trump. However, many others have expressed concern about Musk's content moderation plans or lack thereof. Twitter's co-founder Jack Dorsey has tweeted that he does not believe anyone should own or run Twitter and that he wants it to be what he calls a public good at protocol.